Well, God is good. I just wanted to start and, and share this, this passage of Scripture here in, in Mark chapter 10. As I was coming to, to church this morning, you know, that song, that song that we sang, Breathe, that I'm desperate for you, was, was on the radio. And as I, as I came in, I was singing that song. And, and then that word began to kind of build in my heart, that, that, that idea that says, you know what, I, I've got a lot of needs. I've had needs. I, in my whole life, I've had needs. But the places where I've really seen God come through in my life were places where I was applying the word that I knew. Places where I was not just saying, God, I need you, but stepping out in faith in an area to stand on his word. That there, there were opportunities that, that came forth that either the door opened or I just walked through the door. Whatever it was, I, I moved into something spiritually and physically with my mind and, and with all that I was. And as I went forward, things began to happen. And, and I'm not saying that God needs you to move to do something. But I will tell you this, as you move and act in faith, he will do something. He doesn't need you to be able to do something. He's all-powerful. He's omniscient. He knows everything. He's everywhere. He's all-powerful. He can do things. But if you move forward in faith in him, I'm telling you, you pull on his side of the contract. Because if he has promised you something and you have fulfilled your portion and part of that, he has to fulfill his portion because he is the faithful one. He is the one who comes through for us. It's like signing a contract. When you do the job, they pay you at the end of the week. I, we don't get our salvation because of works, but I am telling you this, that as you live your life according to his word, that's works. You're putting works together with what you believe in your heart. That's faith. And that faith begins to pull on God. It, it gets things moving spiritually. Many times, I think we say, I'm really desperate, but we're just really needy. Desperate people do desperate things. You see it in the world today. You watch the news. You see all that kind of stuff. I mean, there's stuff going on out. People are desperate, whether it's for money or whether it's for, for relationships or whatever this, whatever's going on in their life. People get desperate, and they do crazy, desperate things. Maybe in the church you've heard a few of those examples. It happens in the world all the time. We get desperate, so we do desperate things. In the church, when we're believing for what God has for us, we don't necessarily do many irrational, desperate things. We don't come sit at the altar and say, I'm not leaving God until you speak to me. We don't normally wrestle with God like Jacob did. Jacob wanted the blood. I mean, he wanted it. And so he wanted it so bad, he fought and wrestled the angel of God who was present. He said, I'm not giving up. Until you touch me, until you bless me, I'm, I am, I, and he fought. Even through the messed up hip and the whole thing, he held on tenaciously, and he fought for what was his. There's action to that. He didn't just say in the corner somewhere, yeah, I want that, because we all want what's in here. We all want what God has for us. That, we all have needs. We all have had promises that God has made to us. We're, we're none of us any different in that. And God is no respecter of persons. What he's promised you, he'll bring into your life. What is in here, as you live according to his word, you begin to see this happen in your life. But there has to be, on your part and on my part, action. 
There has to be faith. There has to be. I don't think necessarily we're always as desperate as we say as much as we're just needy. If you read this story, this is a story about a guy who is needy. He's blind. Blind Bartimaeus. And he's on the side of the road, and Jesus is coming down the road. But he's not just in need of sight. He's desperate to see. There's a difference. There are blind people all over the place. But are there blind people who are desperate to see? Blind people want to see. As you go through the New Testament, begin to read the things that Jesus did as he healed the blind, he always came and said, what? I want to see. I want to see. I came to you because I want to see. I came to you because I want to, I want to live. I need, I'm sick. I need you. I need you. I need you. I came to you because... So that's somebody who's not just blind, but who is desperate to see. Will do anything that needs to be done so that they can see. In this story, as we read, you start in verse 46, and it says, Now when they came to Jericho, as Jesus went out, he went with his disciples, and a great multitude followed them. Blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road, and he was begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out to say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. So Jesus stood still and he commanded him to be called and to come to him. And the blind man came and Jesus said, be of good cheer, rise, it's me who's calling you. And he threw aside his garment, he ran to Jesus and Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? And he said, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said, go your way, your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus. Some things that we might have in common with blind Bartimaeus in many instances and areas of our life is this. His whole world existed and only moved on the kindness of others. He was in a place, and maybe you are in your life, financially, whatever, spiritually, relationally, however you find yourself in that place. Maybe your whole existence, uh, it's only going to happen tomorrow if somebody gives you something, if somebody takes care of you. Government assistance is like that in many ways. And I'm not putting down anybody that might be on government assistance or any of those things, but it's this idea that says, I can't go on without this other person making the difference for me. And he was in that, he was in that place, he was in that state. It said he was a beggar. Said he sat by the side of the road, and if people didn't come by and drop coins in his cup, he didn't eat that day. If people didn't come by and take care of him, he didn't have any help or hope of taking care of himself. But then came Jesus down the road. And we were all like this. We we all had no existence. We all had no hope. We all had no way to get by until Jesus came down the road. Until he came for us on the cross, we were just like this. We had no hope except for his pity, his mercy, and his kindness. And then he died on the cross, and now we have hope. And we know that we're alive unto Christ. In his instance, in his case, blind Bartimaeus, it was his desperation that caused action on his part. You can read the story and see that there was action. I mean, this is a guy who's by the side of the road. Everybody's walking by. He hears that it's Jesus. Surely he has heard the stories of this guy. Surely he knows of him or else he would not have been calling out to him. He understands and knows that that Jesus has healed people, that he is 
proclaiming to be the Messiah. He understands all of it. He understands it. It's like the lady with the issue of blood. I got no other hope but him. Blind Bartimaeus knew when, when, this, when Jesus was coming out, I got no other hope. Right now is my moment. It's my day. It's my time. And I don't know what to do, but I'm going to do something. Amen. See, I, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I'm going to do something. I'm good, there's going to be, that's desperation. That's that thing that says my kids can't eat, I can't do anything, I'm going to go out and rob, don't go rob a village pantry. But, you know, I mean, it's that, it's that thing. It's, <laughs> I mean, but that, that's what, I mean, what would you do if your kids, if you didn't have any money and you, didn't, you weren't able to eat and your kids were about ready to go down? I mean, what would, what would you do in the natural? I mean, what would stop you in the natural from getting food or whatever you needed so that your household, so that your children could live and could go on? I'm not talking about getting a steak down the road or getting a, you know, get, I'm talking about you don't have anything, and it's like the lady who had the, who had the kid, and when the, the prophet came, she said, all we got's this much, we're going to eat it and die. What if you physically were in that place where all you could do was like, we're just going to die, kids. We, we are to the last day of our life, physically with the food that we have. There, what would you do in the natural to, to change that situation? See, what, what would you, what would you, there was probably nothing that would, you would go do anything that you had to, beg, borrow, and steal so that you could have food enough for you to live and your kids. I, I think, I would, I mean, I, you know, you just, I'm not putting that on anybody, I'm not believing that for anybody, that's not who we are and what we're going to see, but, but just to put us in that place to understand what it means to be like, like blind Bartimaeus, like I got no hope. I don't know what to do, but I have to do something. And it says that he began to cry out to Jesus. Are you sick and tired of being sick and tired? I mean, are you in need to the point where you're so desperate that you're not afraid to act, not physically, but spiritually? Spiritually may include physically, but you have to act by faith. You have to act by the power of the Holy Spirit for Jesus to operate in your life. And, and in this case, he said, man, I, I, I am the man. I've got to get up. Nobody's helping me. Nobody's making a way. Nobody's bringing him over here. I'm going to scream, and I'm going to yell, and I'm going to make an all kinds of ruckus, and I'm going to get his attention, and, and he's going he's gonna to heal me. And they all told him, shut up, shh, right? Isn't that just the way? You begin, to get, you begin to get this message of faith in your life. You begin to say stuff that, 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 that doesn't exist yet, and your family says you're crazy. People say, shh, I just don't talk like that. You just, what are you saying? That doesn't make any sense. The doctor says you're sick, and you say, I'm not sick. I am healed by the stripes of Jesus. And he goes, yeah, now we've got to have another exam. Now we got to check you out maybe to another place because you're, you're obviously not all together there. No, I am all together there. That's the deal. So, I mean, are we, are we willing to, to, to go that far and to quiet the voice? People are saying, shh, 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 no, I need to see. It's the only way. He, Jesus is the only hope for this guy, the only hope. Otherwise, he's going he's gonna to walk on by, and, and this may be the only time that he passes in front of blind Bartimaeus on this road. He, he, man, he said, this is, this is my one shot. We're all needy, 
but are we all this desperate? People telling you, shh, don't get so rambunctious. Don't get so riled up. What if God doesn't come through? See, we spend in our life a lot of time and a lot of effort worrying about what if God doesn't come through. We put a lot of stock in that. We put more stock in what we might have to lose than what we might have to gain. There's something innate in the physical side, the flesh side of us, not the spirit side, but the flesh side. There's something innate on the inside of us that, that wants it to balance. It's the thing that doesn't want us to get hurt. And so maybe in a relationship, we hedge a little bit in pouring ourselves out there into this relationship. Why? Because we don't know if we're going to get hurt or not, and so we, we hedge our bets. We only go so far, because if we go too far, we're, we risk being hurt. So we stay at a point where, I, I, I'll give you this much of my heart, but I'm going to hold some back because I'm not sure if this is going to go well. And I'm going to protect who I am so that I'm only hurt enough that I feel like I can take it. I don't put myself all in like that to where I might be crushed. We do that physically. We do that in relationships, men and women all the time, things like that. But with God, we we, we can't do that. He said, I am all in. I have sent Jesus. I mean, I've done everything I could do. I have given you my best, and I have given you my word. And so everything that I am is on the table. He has pushed his chips all in. And what he asks of us is to meet him on that halfway and put our chips in. But we do spend a lot of our time saying, what if it doesn't happen? I mean, what did blind Bartimaeus have to lose? If Jesus just walks on by him, he's still the same guy he was before Jesus came. He's no worse off than he was before. If that is one of the things that stops you from stepping out in faith and really saying, okay, man, I am desperate, God. You've got to come through for me. I'm going to go all out. But you're afraid that you might be worse off than when you started? Let go of that thought. Because even at the worst, and God will not let you down, but even at the worst, if that were to happen, you'd just be the same person you are today. Blind Bartimaeus would have still been blind Bartimaeus. I better stop calling him that because he's not blind anymore, is he? You can see he's Bartimaeus, so he's a different guy. Really, I mean, think about it. So in his world, he thought, you know what? I don't have anything, I don't have anything to lose, man. You got to watch that. In sports, they talk about it all the time. When those teams don't have anything to lose, look out because they do some crazy, wild stuff. The Baltimore Ravens won the, world, won, the, won the Super Bowl this year. They came from way back in the middle of nowhere, beat all of these teams to get there. Seems like it's a Cinderella season, all these things that have happened. And in the end, they said, man, what do you say? They said, we didn't have anything to lose, man. We just came out and went all in every moment. Every game, we didn't hold anything back because we didn't know if there would be another one. So we played with all, we, we took all of our chips and put them in the table. Every game, we put them in the table. The only way to win Texas Hold'em is to put all your stuff on the table. You can hedge, but eventually you will piece by piece lose all you have. And it's the same way for us in our life. You, you can't hedge on that stuff. Hebrews 4.16. We know this scripture 
But listen to what it says. It says, let us therefore now come, how? Boldly to the throne room of grace. Desperation, action. See, let us come boldly to the throne room of grace that we may obtain mercy from him and find grace to help us in our time of need. We're all needy. Now, you could be needy all day long. You could read this Bible all day long. But until faith, you come before the throne room of grace boldly and pour yourself out in front of him and allow him to pour into you that grace and that mercy that you need. You'll always be needy. It doesn't just fall down your road and hit your house. There are needy people all over the place. I'm telling you, if you don't apply the truths that are in here, you're just going to always be needy and more needy tomorrow than you were today. Desperation changes that, though. Desperation allows you to come boldly. It, you know, it, it compels you to come boldly. It, 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 you, you can't help it. You, why? Because I don't have any other answer, man. I don't have plan B. I don't have another way. I give in the offering, tithe, over and above, financially. My budget does not say that that works. I don't know about you, but when you start trying to figure out how to live on 90 or 85% or whatever that is that you give, that, that becomes difficult when you spend 100. But I come boldly to the throne room of grace to say, God, you must. I know you're a man of your word. You must come through. I am living before you the life that you've called me to live. I'm giving to you what you've told me to give. I, Father, throw myself down on the throne room of grace and I ask you to pour it out in my life because I can't make it next week if you don't. Now, that does not mean you're going to get the big check from Abe McMahon. Now, I think he's dead, so maybe you get it from somebody else. But that does not mean you're going to win the lottery tomorrow. But that could mean that your tires don't blow out. That could mean that your clothes don't wear out. Happened to the children of Israel. Their stuff didn't wear out. God fed them every day with manna, and they wandered around in the desert, and it said their stuff didn't wear out, their clothes. Now, I know you got kids who grow, and I don't know if I have faith to see their pants grow longer when they get old, but God will provide. He will provide. If you could meet your own need, you would. And believe me, we try. Bartimaeus is on the side of the road. He can't meet his own need. Do you think if he could, he, he wouldn't have? I mean, do you think he would have sat there probably and just continued to be blind, although he had the magic pill that would make him not blind anymore? No, no. I mean, if you could fix it, you would. You can't. Stop trying. Trust God. The lady with the issue of blood said, we, we can't, I can't get it fixed. The doctors can't fix it. All my money is gone. I've tried everything I know of. So then I leaned on Jesus. Don't lose everything you have before you lean on Jesus. Don't get to the end of your rope to the point where you don't have anything left and your life is in shambles before you try Jesus. Does that make sense? I mean, why is it that we're so stubborn 
that, that we'll try every one of our options, every one of our ideas, we'll give everything that we have and end up with nothing and our life a mess, and then we say, maybe I need to go to church. Maybe I need to ask God. Don't do that. We can't do that. We can't afford to do that. When you're faced with these needy situations, what do you do? Do you step out in faith? Trust God. Ask God. Believe what he's telling you. Or do you clam up? I'm not saying people are telling you to be quiet, but the enemy will tell you to be quiet. The enemy will tell you that it won't work. He'll begin to work on you behind the scenes. In my life, I fight this no no different than, than you fight this. There was a time about, man, it was a long time ago, 10 or 11 years ago, and I, had, was, I started a class. I don't know that I've ever told this story because it's, it makes me feel really bad about myself because I, I was really bad. But I, I was taking a class at Purdue, a graduate class, because I needed to renew my license. My license had expired to teach. I needed to renew it, so I needed to take six graduate hours, and this was the first one. It was a guy I, I, I knew, and, and he was teaching this class, and I thought, this is great. I know the guy. It'll be... When I went into that class, I was so far, it was so far over my head that I I knew immediately I was in trouble. I am not going to get my license renewed. I am not going to have a job in the fall. We are going to have to live in a box. We are going to lose everything. The little that we have, we're going to lose it all. And I, it, it sounds a little funny now. It was not funny then. I was on the floor next to her in the fetal position crying. I know. Make fun of you. You can laugh. It's good. No lie. That, that's, how, that's how serious it was to me. That's how the enemy had, had all of a sudden, see, I'm looking at what I have to lose and not what I have to gain. I'm looking at who I am in the natural and what I can do in my own ability and not who God is and what he can do through me. My focus is totally changed and, and it's on me. Luckily, I have a wife who would look at me and say, what is your problem? Suck it up, boy. I don't even know if you were very nice. I think you were pretty mean that time. I don't even think you gave me like little, it's okay, baby. I don't think that even happened at all. I think it was, you, you are a mess. You need to do something with yourself. And that, that, that really, I mean, that's, that's, that's true. I mean, that, that's exactly why I, I finally had to get a grip. And then from that place, I had to move forward, and I didn't get any smarter. I didn't get any better. I did get an A, but it was because of the grace of God and me relying and leaning on him because I sure as heck didn't know how to do any of that stuff. I went in thinking this was just a breeze. It wasn't. I haven't been back there. <laughs> I changed my ways. I, I do graduate credit another way, but not through that. But I, I couldn't lean on me. And I'm a smart guy. I got a degree in mathematics, so I'm not some, some, some dummy. I mean, I, 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 but I couldn't do it, and I, I panicked, and I went the other direction, and I looked at me and what I had to lose. Don't do that. We're all needy. We're all needy. Be desperate. Look what you can gain in Christ. Come boldly to the throne room of grace. 
Desperation causes you to call out to God. In Acts, or not Acts, in Exodus chapter 2, it's, it's the story of the children of Israel. And if you, go through, if you go through Genesis, you get through the end, and we all know Joseph was the hero in Genesis as we came to the end, and, and he kind of saved all the people because he had the food and his brothers and all that kind of stuff went down. And then when, they, when they came, and you come into Exodus, it kind of, the story all of a sudden changes. That now they're all, all the, all the children of Israel, now they're in bond, big-time bondage to the people of, of Egypt. Now they're having to make bricks and do all these things and build stuff. And now they've gone from being the, the great people to, to now, they're, now they're the ones who are in bondage to the Egyptians. And, and in verse 23, as you go back here, it says, And now it happened in that process of time that the king of Egypt, he died. Then the children of Israel, it says they groaned because of their bondage, and they cried out. And their cry came up to God because of the bondage. If you read that in another translation, it actually says they desperately cried out. Why? Because they had no other hope but Yahweh. They had no other hope but God. They were being lorded over by a people. The next part of this, if desperation causes you to call out to God, this is what happens. So God heard their groaning. He heard them cry out, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God will remember his covenant with you. He'll remember the things he promised you. He'll remember the things that you're standing on. He he has not forgotten who you are. He thinks about you, and those thoughts are for you to have a future and to have hope. And if you leave this chapter and then you go to chapter 3, that's when he taps on Moses' shoulder out in the wilderness and says, Psst, buddy, come here. I got a plan. Now, I'm sure those people in Egypt wanted God to move immediately and have everything stripped away and them be the, the, the ones who were in charge and be the taskmasters or whatever. They wanted out from underneath that. So I, I assume they thought, we're going to cry out to God and he's going to do something tomorrow. Well, you know the story. There were 10 plagues that had to come. Moses had to go back and forth and back and forth to Pharaoh. But eventually there came the day where, let my people go. They cried out to God and he heard them. And he took Moses aside, and then he sent him to Pharaoh to tell him to let my people go. Some of you don't know Dunstan and Alinda Mashiku, and they, they have moved now to the, to the East Coast. And the story that they began to tell uh, Elizabeth and I one Sunday morning, and, 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 and they've been coming to church here for a while and, and really had a heart for the things that God was doing here and with the children in Sudan, with with the dreamland and all those kind of things. And, and they were really, they loved it here. They were soaking in what God was teaching. And, but they, they, there was something on the inside of them that was stirring. And, and they didn't have answers. They didn't know. They had a heart and compassion, like we talked about Sunday, for their family. And some of their family they weren't living right or aren't living right. And, and they really want to be a part of helping, a little Joseph kind of thing. Like, I'm not saying you're going to bow down to me, but I really have a heart for you and I want to help. And they said when we came to the beginning of the year and we talked about doing a fast, 
when we talked about saying, you know what, we're going to take these 13 days in the beginning of 2013 and set aside, in their case, they set aside food and everything. We're going to fast and pray and, and, and get before God, not just to pray. If you're fasting and not eating and expecting God to come down and knock on your door and tell you something, that's just starving yourself. The children of, the, of Israel, they cried out to God. And if you weren't here in that second service a couple weeks ago when, when Dunstan shared a little bit of the testimony, he, he said, we, we, had, we needed things. We had questions, and we, didn't, we needed answers from God. And so we took that 13-day fast seriously. And we cried out to God, and we asked him our questions. And when he was telling us this, I don't know if you were in there at that moment when he was saying all this. He was, he's an African-American kid. He was white as a ghost. Eyeballs this big. He couldn't even move his head. He just told the story. And he was in such awe that God actually answered their questions actually told them stuff was moving on their behalf it was he he said it's just it's going so fast and i was so excited but i knew there was going to be another hammer that dropped and so i was waiting when are you leaving that's (laughs) you're moving aren't you i mean i so he's, he's telling us this he's god is waking us up in the middle of the night and he's telling us stuff he's answering our questions in the middle of the night he's helping us learn and understand how we can reach our family desperate desperate not just needy but there's a second part to that needy there's action in that he said man I, I am, I am going to, I'm pulling on it. I'm going to wrestle with you until I get the answers that I need. Their house sold. They God moved them to another place. I mean, it was just, and he said, I, I, I don't know. We are a little freaked out about this. <laughs> My wife more than me, but we're a little freaked out by all of this. But I know God is I know God is taking us to this point because it's going to be the next launching out point for us. I still want to be somehow connected to who you are, but I know this is the next step in our life. And and you see what that desperate does instead of just being needy. You can continue to pray for your family. You can continue to bring your needs before before God. It says that that we can do that in the word. It says you can bring those things across. I mean, bring them to him. That's That's what he's there. I mean, he does that. But desperation in in your world and in your life. There's something about it that makes you do things that are irrational. It it makes you say, you know what, God, I'm not going to eat for 13 days. I'm going to just get my Bible and I'm going to write and I'm going to read and I'm going to pray and I'm going to seek your face and I'm going to listen for you. Why? Because they were desperate and they needed God to show them some things. We had needs, he said. See, there's something about being desperate that overrides your mind. Our mind is great. We have the mind of Christ. And if we can keep it that way, it goes along with our spirit. But if not, everything doesn't make sense. 
Now, you can't in the natural say that, you know, what they did made sense. It might not have made any sense. But I'm telling you, in Mark chapter 2, and we don't have to go and read it all right now, but in the New Living Testament, it's the story about these guys who were so desperate to get their friend healed, to get him to Jesus. They were so desperate that they did an absolutely irrational thing. They brought him on his bed. And when they got to the house where Jesus was, there were too many people. They couldn't get to him. So instead of putting their bed down and saying, well, maybe today's not our day or we'll just sit here and wait, they said, "Uh, up on the roof. And they grabbed the dude, they grabbed the bed, they took him up on top of the roof, and they tore the roof off the place. Irrational. But they were desperate. They had a need. And that need caused them to do something that's action. That becomes desperation. They tore the roof off the joint. They lowered the guy down. (laughs) They lowered it. Could you imagine? All of a sudden, the roof comes off and somebody brings somebody down here. Oh, wait. Pieces of the roof falling. And Jesus said, dude, guys, your faith has made you whole. Your faith. Faith comes with action. I believe it. Then act on it. There's action. There's irrational action that comes with this. Now, don't go... I'm not telling you to go out and rob a bank. I mean, not that kind of irrational. I robbed a bank, Pastor John. Here's all the money I got. Bless God. Ah, I don't know if we can take that or not. I'm not sure. Probably would try, (laughs) but we'll see. It's like Zacchaeus. I can't see Jesus, but I want to go climb a tree. Well, that thing's work. I'm sure that guy wasn't light. I'm sure they had to carry that bed up on top of that roof. I'm sure there weren't steps there. I'm sure, they, I'm sure they had to tear the roof off and lower them down. They probably had to put some effort into it. They probably had to, I mean, it probably took some stuff on the inside of them to go through with it and to do it. But they did it. I've been reading this book. I'm going to talk about it maybe a little bit on Sunday too. It's called Love Does. And, and it's a guy named Bob Goff, G-O-F-F. And it's a little bit of the story of his life. And, and, and he, he, he was shown this by a mentor when, when, he was, when he was a young guy, when he was a teenager, how this mentor didn't just tell him he loved him and cared about him. He, 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 he lived it. He lived it. He sacrificed for the kid. He did things, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, that's, he, he had in his heart to be a lawyer because he wanted to help people. The problem was he wasn't very smart, this golf guy. He says in his book, yeah, I wasn't real bright. I did make it through college, but barely. When, when, when I wanted to take the LSAT, that's the test you have to take to get into law school, he said, I realized that I was the bottom of the barrel. He said, I, I, I bought a 795 book that, that told you how to take it, and then I didn't even realize that there were classes you could go to that would help you. He said, I got to the test, and they all talked about that. I didn't have any clue. So I took the test, and you know what? I didn't get any letters from anybody that said they wanted me to come. No help. Nobody said to him, I I want you to come to our school. He said, some schools didn't even send me the letter that said, we don't want you to come. Some of them just ignored me altogether. That's how low it was. And he said, but I knew that's what I I wanted to be a lawyer because I wanted to help people. So he said, I I, I went to the the school that I wanted to go to in my town. 
And I, I went and I, and I went to the dean's office and I made an appointment with the dean. And he said, uh, you know, who are you? And he told him and he said, uh, you know, I didn't even, I didn't get a letter that said I'm accepted. And he said, but I didn't get a letter that said I wasn't either. <laughs> and he said, yeah, sometimes we don't send those and started to shut the door. <laughs> so he was getting the idea that this wasn't going to go well. So he put his foot in the door and stopped the door and said, sir, you have the power to, to let me in here. All you need to tell me to do is go buy my books. You tell me to go buy my books, I'm in. And he got a smile and said, I appreciate that, and shut the door. He looked around, and he said there was a, a bench outside the dean's office. It looked like a park bench. And he something in the inside, he, just, he went and he sat there. And whenever the dean left the office that day to go to the bathroom or the break room or wherever he needed to go, as he passed by, he just said, all you need to do is tell me to get my books. And he would just look at him, crazy kid. It was five days, I think, a week until school started. Every day he made it his purpose to get up at 7 o'clock in the morning and be there on his bench outside that guy's office. And every time he saw that guy, he said, all you got to do is tell me to buy my books. Desperate. Desperate. Now, don't go sit outside Thelma Snug's, Dr. Snug's office and tell him this is my... This was him. This is, what, this is what he felt like he needed to do. And then you know what? See, he, knew, he knew that day school started was going to be the day, and it wasn't the day. So school started, and, there was, and then, he, then he really started getting down to the dumps. Like it didn't work. But he said, well, what do I have to lose? Sound familiar? I, I'm still not going to be in school if he says no again today, just like I am right now. He went and sat on his bench. The guy came out, saw him. All I got to do is tell me to get my books. All you got to do is tell me to go buy my books. Second day went by. Third day went by. You know what he thought? He thought, I'm falling behind. He didn't, th- he didn't say, I thought I wasn't going to make it. He said, in my heart, I, I was like, oh, I'm falling behind, my friend. I'm, I'm going to be behind when I, when I get in. All you got to do is tell me to buy my books. Fourth day went by. All you got to do is tell me to get my books. He said, the fifth day. There he sat, and here came the guy around the corner, and he said, I was ready to tell him all you got to do is tell He said, I knew his schedule better than he did. I knew when he got coffee. I knew when he went to the restroom. I knew what time he was going to come out the door. I knew it. I'd been there 10 days. And he said, there was something different about that fifth day. He said, when, I, when, when he came around the corner, there was something different about him. And when he got to me, I looked up, and I was getting ready to say, I need you. All you got to do is tell me to go buy my book. And he looked at me and said, go buy your books. Go buy your books. And he said, I jumped up, went and bought my books. And now, I mean, he's a lawyer. I mean, he is a lawyer. He's good at it. He, 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 he's been successful. He's helped people. He's, I, all, this, this book is all about loving people, not worrying about who you are. It's not the one really who has dreams that's successful. It's the one who goes after their dreams. It's a, well, my dreams are from God. Yep, well, we all got dreams from God. I'm desperate. No, you're just kind of needy. Because if you're desperate, you do whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. You do whatever it takes. I'm tired. You do it tired. I don't feel good. You do it not feeling well. 
I don't know what to do. You do it anyway. I don't know what I would say. You ask God and do it. You do whatever. When you're desperate, you cry out. No matter what is telling you to shut up, no matter what is telling you to stay where you are, no matter what is telling you that you can't do it, that you can't ever see, whatever is telling you that you can't ever be, you have to ignore that and cry out to Jesus. Amen. We hope this message encouraged you. Victor Christian Center is passionate about sharing the love, acceptance, and forgiveness of Jesus. Learn more about us at victorylafayette.org. If you don't know Jesus or maybe you've gotten distracted and stopped following Him, I'd like to pray for you right now. The most important decision you'll ever make involves accepting the love of Jesus and His gift of new life. I'd invite you to make this prayer your own and take this opportunity to begin to follow Jesus. God, I ask you to reveal yourself to me. I want to know you. I ask you to forgive the sin in my life that has kept me from enjoying a relationship with you. Give me a fresh start by changing my life and helping me to follow you from this point forward. I accept your love through Jesus, and I commit to trust your plan for my life. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you've prayed this prayer for the first time, please get in touch with us and let us know. To learn more about Victory or to contact us, visit us online at victorylafayette.org.